You're listening to the Beat Motel Zine podcast, and we need to warn you that we use words like shit, bollocks, scrotics, fuck, anarcho-syndicalist, and cunt, and we don't normally beat those words out, apart from the word cunt, because we're not total animals. Now, we know as well as you that your children can hear these words on any street in Britain, possibly any street anywhere in the world. But we also appreciate that you may not want to invite these words into your home if you have children or sensitive pets nearby whilst listening to this podcast. So listener discretion is advised. That being said, if your children aren't allergic to hearing words like fuck, shit, buttocks or hind penis, they might learn something from listening to this podcast, although probably not because the quality of our educational content is quite poor. So there you go, fuckers, buckle in and let's get started. Hello. It would be very impressive if you could actually start miming to that. Yeah. Miming along to it on the video, because yeah. we're on YouTube now, of course. Hello, doctors, patio rage. Hello, Mr. Andrew Laws. Right, for those on YouTube, I'm going to hoist the the uh, Beat Motel flag. There we go. <laughs> You're saluting. Yeah. <laughs> right, Dr. Sam, uh, what's our theme for today? Uh, well, I'll start with a joke. Uh, what do you call someone who hangs out with musicians? Oh, is it a drummer? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of the first music, uh, music jokes I ever got told. It sticks with you. The first bassist one I got told was, uh, how do you know... Oh, I can't even remember. Oh, that's it. How do you confuse a bassist? <laughs> Detune one of his strings, but don't tell him which one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another drummer. Was, I can't remember. Uh, yeah. How do you know there's a drummer at the door? Because he, he knocks for 20 minutes and doesn't know when to come in. Oh, no. It's, uh, he speeds up. Ah. How do you know? How do you know there's a singer at the door? Is he knocks and doesn't know when to come in? Is that it? Yay, yeah, you got there at the end. <laughs> right. So today's today's episode is drummers. I've got a slightly runny nose, which I apologise for for anyone watching on YouTube. But you know, you pays your money, it you takes your chance. You you get it. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you get what you pay for, or whatever. Yeah, they are definitely getting what they pay for. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's dive in with Riff of the Week. I'm going to go for yours first, and then you can tell us what it is. One fine morning, I woke up early. Bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao. One fine morning, I woke up early. Find the fashions at my door. Go on, what is that? Uh, that's Mark Ribot uh, or Ribot uh, and Tom Waits with Bella Chow, which is, I'm guessing, not their original song. It was actually, it was a album that Mark Ribot, who is uh, frequently Tom Waits' sort of right-hand man guitarist chap um, did a cover of protest songs for... Oh. When, yeah, this is like when... That'd be a good episode to do, protest songs. Yeah, this is this is from when... Um, I believe this is a recording from uh, in reaction to maybe uh, the Ukrainian... Uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine... But the song obviously goes way back. I'm not a better child. Maybe the 
Italian. Maybe it's Italian. Um, I haven't really done research, but you know, you can't fault performance by that performance by Tom Waits. He definitely sounds like fascists have turned up at his door and he's a bit depressed about it. <laughs> Tom Waits' voice. I, I think I'm going to get into Tom Waits one day, like Leonard Cohen. Something's going to click in my head, or I'm going to have a bout of being miserable or something, and I'll just suddenly get it. Although I don't, that's unfair. I think Leonard Cohen's quite quite glorious. But, but I, I, um, oh, Tom Waits definitely isn't all uh, down. He sort of has different moments. I, I didn't. I haven't really got into his sort of later, his most recent period in a way. I think it's a bit. It's a bit. But I love some of his sort of early eighties stuff. Mm. Mm. I, I've been using words. I like words. <laughs> right. Um, we we got to keep the pace going. We've got to keep the pace going because we smash have it, to keep to an hour today. So um, I'm going to go for my riff of the week, which is this. Come on. Do you know who that was, Sam? It sounded like Fuzzy. Fuzzy. <laughs> it's a band called Fuzzy. It's a band that you and I have seen together, I think, at least twice, but not for quite a few years. Pelican? What? Pel- Pelican? No, not... Oh, God, God, fucking... Nothing like Pelican. Just, I'm shocked. I know you don't give a shit about Pelican, so that's a fair comment, really. Uh, that is Truck Fighters. Remember? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think we but... saw them supporting Fu Manchu and... I don't think I've seen Kumanchu. Oh, well, maybe you weren't there. No, you weren't. Canton Underworld. It was with that band that only did solos, and we just went off to the bar and drank beer instead. <laughs> but there was, there was a band called, friends of mine called Sons of Alpha Century were on first, and it's Camden Underworld. But yeah, I just thought I'd go for an actual riff. I, I think oh, that's, that's, that's quite a fun that's, riff. You're, that's so, so cliche. That's what? So cliche of you. What, to uh, go for a riff in, in yes, Riff of the Week? Yes, and not be post-ironic. Post <laughs> or is I it might, you might being post-ironic? Choose, I might choose a deconstructed riff next week. Uh, i tell you about the deconstructed lunch I had. What, did you have like a piece of bread at 11 o'clock and then a piece of cheese at 12 and a piece of bread at <laughs> one o'clock just all spread out really nicely <laughs> yeah. no it was a place we went to in southford and they did deconstructed cheeseburgers and it was they just chopped up the the meat and like slung it on a plate and then just kind of spaffed stuff over it i don't know why i'm going on about this, this isn't a food podcast and um, was it anyway. was it yeah um that doesn't sound that appealing no it, it looked like somebody had chewed a really big <laughs> cheeseburger and spat it back onto the plate. <laughs> it was I, nice actually. I'm I'm not going to say the name of the place because I, I did actually enjoy it. But I I had a I, I much prefer the deconstructed cheesecake or something. It's much more palatable. We just eat an egg and then eat some cheese, <laughs> and then eat a biscuit. Yeah, basically. 
maybe vanilla pod, scrape a vanilla pod with your tongue or something. I've only just learned that vanilla pods are the stamens of orchids. I could Great. be wrong there. That doesn't sound right, does it? Right, we ought to get on with this. So, drummers, now, as usual, we've chosen the theme, and Sam and I have chosen four songs each, of which we can't play any more than 30 seconds, otherwise we get spanked by licensing stuff. So I'm going to go for your first choice now, Sam. Now, as usual, we haven't discussed what angle we're approaching drummers from. It's just called drummers. And yep. Sam, by the end of this episode, I'd like you to have thought up a good good title for this episode. But first of all, I'm going to play Sam Cook Twisting the Night Away, live at the Harlem Square Club in 1963. Which, that, that surprised me. That's quite a bit. I'm on, a two, I put it in anyway. You've shrunk. Sorry, YouTube. Uh, that sounds. How great is that? That's wonderful. Thanks for bringing that into my life. Uh, well, I, I only discovered it. Um, yeah, I only discovered that album last year or something. Apparently, uh, and it was only that recording was only discovered in 1985. It was recorded for a live album that they were going to put out when Sam Cooke was alive, but they thought it was uh, it, it was a bit too raw. Uh, for uh, going against this sort of smooth uh, public image because um, that was the touring band uh, that he played with and they sound like they're on fire. You know, it, it's an amazing sort of juxtaposition between the band who sound like they're racing through everything and <laughs> Sam Cooke who barely sounds like he's breaking his sweat and he could do it all yeah. night. Um, but the drummer, you know, there's nothing fancy going on. He's just driving everything. Mm. And it's an amazing sort of like the whole album is like that. It just sounds like a. It, it reminds me of punk drumming in a way. It just sort of sounds like, or like at least sort of um, like old, not modern punk drumming, but like um, I guess I don't know how to describe them. Like late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties, sort of pop punk drummers who just sort of uh, really drive everything. And everybody else is sort of trying to catch up with them, like Scooching Weasels and Trey Cool in the first on on Dookie, um, who is that performance is uh, great and um, just like there's nothing that fancy going on. It's just driving everything, and it's the feel of it is created by that that sort of relationship between the drummer who's just got this who is a bull of energy. You can almost sort of see steaming behind the band. Mm-hmm. And Sam Cook, who's just sort of like standing there going, yeah, man, this is great. I know I'm great. This was, you know, great time. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard his voice. I, I know I know the name, but already in this episode, I know it's going to be a fun one to discuss. If you say something and I realise I meant to pick one of those, I meant to pick like a, a pop punk band. I was going to pick like No Use for a Name or something as an example of that, that kind of super driving beat. And you and I have been at festivals where like half the band sounded like that. And it's a great thing, but oh no, Sam has disappeared. What has he done? What has he done? Is he coming back? 
What did you do? Oh, I don't know if he knows. Can you hear us? Oh, he's gone again. I might edit this bit out. I might not. It's real, man. We're talking about the grit and the... Uh... Hey! You're, you're going to have to do it again because I reckon that's going to do exactly the same thing as it did last time. What happened? Um, I knocked the button on the side of my computer by mistake as I continually do trying to prop this fucking thing up. So Oh, I had to patch it all together last time, didn't I? Uh, sorry, man. That's all right. Screw it. Doesn't matter. I'm on annual leave today. Right, let, let's carry on. <laughs> I, was, I was talking about pop punk and how we, we got fed up of the, uh, the drum beat after a while and, and went home. Yeah, yeah, you want to change occasionally, but... You know, just as like, you don't want every drummer to do what that guy's doing, but if you can do what that guy's doing and you're good at it, do it. <laughs> do it. Right. And what's his name? I should, we should give him his name. His name is uh, Albert June Gardner. Good name. Yeah. The only other famous gardener I can think of is Mark Gardner, who was one of the singers in Ride. But there's no connection between Sam Cooke and 80s, uh, sorry, 90s shoes. Who's that guy who writes... Uh... Uh, well, there's a few famous gardeners I can think of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew yeah. you were going to do that, and I, I was deliberately not doing that. But anyway, fuck you. Um, right, <laughs> I want to choose a, a drum. I was trying to intellectualize my first choice. I was trying to think of a drummer who's been on more songs than anybody else by a factor of something like five and a half thousand. Oh, so wow. You'll, you'll, I think you'll know what it is when I play it, Bill. That's so, the Amen break, isn't it? It is the Amen break by the Winstons. Amen Brother is the song. And I, I wanted to include it. There's an episode all about this, if you look back in the, the, the history of the podcast. Because that, that drumbeat spawned an entire genre it's it's absolutely brilliant it's not that exceptional i don't think as a drum beat it's just it's got a nice turnaround in the middle of it it has hasn't it <laughs> yeah. God, I, I was nearly I, I was gonna choose a beatbox track for one of these and i thought no because it would just lead to me trying to beatbox and there's a little sample of what me beatboxing would sound like i think you need a sample of you i think you need a sample of your daughter just going dad <laughs> Cut me out of the wheel. I don't want it. Um, <laughs> oh dear me! Now the wheel is going to be like an empty pouch of rolling tobacco and <laughs> a pen has run out. A Woolworths voucher. <laughs> Woolworths. Right. So I don't think I don't want to talk too much about the Winstons because there is a whole fucking episode about it. So let's go on. A classic, 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 classic. So let's, let's nip on to your next track. Which I'm going to play, then you can explain. You can explain yourself afterwards. All right. Oh. like to thank the one listener who hasn't switched off for still being here oh that's that's the the immortal and amazing um yoshida tatsuya um 
performing as Ruins Alone. The song is uh, Liar the King. I don't <laughs> think I don't think he he put that song title there to be pronounced. I think he's just swept his hand across the keyboard and just went, "Yeah, that'll do." But this guy is a, a legend in his own time and uh, its own right, and he is he he sort of came I think to like the international scene originally through this um, noise band called uh, Zeni Gabby or something like that, um, and then he sort of does this thing called uh, Ruins, which was just him and a bassist, and they. The, the language that he sings in, and it's him singing whilst he's playing, the language he sings in is a made-up language very much in the style of that French band um, who sort of popularised that style, who I can't remember, ever well, remember. I'm trying to think other bands that have made up languages. There's there's Sigur Ross. They made up a language as well. But they Sigur Ross and, and uh, Ruins Alone, I think, are two opposite ends of... Of, this, of a scale there. Oh. Um, the band's called Magma. They were like a classic French prog rock oh, band. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know, I know the name Magma. Yeah. I mean that that is. When do you put that on? I mean, I'm not adverse to it, but in my house, that would be a no. As soon as I, I first play. Well, I put it on when my, I'm by myself and feeling <laughs> by myself, <laughs> frisky. Feeling. Um, I I think I went through a period of about. When I lived in London, I discovered Yoshida Tatsuya. He he played London on a like a once at least once a year it felt like, and I would seek out every single performance of his. Um, I once saw his. He's just an amazing person to watch live. You know, it's like there's one thing listening to it, and yeah, I get that there's not a lot of patience, but to watch it, and there's a whole genre of drummers that have, I think, come in his wake of like people like Zach Hill and. Who works for you know who who who's famous in Death Grips now and oh. started out in Hella and there's Lightning Bolt and all these other sort of noise bands that come in the wake of Ruins and uh, Yoshida Tatsuya. What, what, what and, year is this then? Well, that one is 2011, maybe. Okay, but he's been going since like the mid 80s. See that 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 sort of music, I think. Live, it can be just fantastic. Mm. Um, having made, I can't really say I've made music like that, but I've made difficult music to make is a lot of fun, and, and I'm really pleased it exists. And I think without that, you wouldn't have any forward movement in music at all. Without stuff that's that wild and that that without borders and that that deconstructed it's not deconstructed is it they're fucking cramming it's like they've got all the tools and they're using all the tools at once yeah and um but also i just the musicianship involved in it because he does also he knows exactly where he is in any piece of music he's playing i saw him play uh i saw him play a little plastic gazebo i guess in um in hyde park once and as as part of like this musical festival thing very very polite everybody sat down and some other person came on and then yoshida tatsuya came on i only wanted to see him obviously and um 
the drums started, you know, like when you don't, they're not giving, drummers aren't giving a proper thing to hold it together, the drum starts slipping away. Mm. He was pulling back the drums whilst keeping time with the hi hat. <laughs> and then the minute the drums were in the right place, he'd start going off again. And then it would happen again. And just the whole performance became that much more incredible that he is, he actually, these parts are written and he remembers them and he knows where he is. That, that's and one what of the, blows my mind. Yeah, you know, like there's an aspect of when he was doing Ruins and it was just him and a bassist, you sort of go, okay, maybe there's a jazz element to this and improvisation, improv uh, element to this. And maybe there is, I don't know. I've never sort of seen interviews or talked to the guy. Um, but um, he is incredibly precise and he is he has these other bands, I mean, that he does like, they do a whole sort of, prog rock aspects to them and it's whole sort of quasi-operatic singing and it's i just i'm just in love i'm just in love with the guy he's he's amazing he's such an amazing musician you, you know there's that cliche that if you're in a band for one thing by the time you're middle-aged like i am you don't you you, you, you try and try not to let people find out you're in a band probably that's not true that's complete crap i've got a, we've got a quite a big venue we're trying to sell out at the moment um but people go oh what do you sound like which is like the worst question you can ask any musician i mean if you're listening to this and you're not a musician oh what does your band sound like is just an awful question to be asked so when he's asked what do you think he says sorry i don't Ooh. speak english uh <laughs> probably uh probably the the joy of uh, putting explosives in drum kits. Explosive is the right word because, you know, um, the lad from The Who, <laughs> the lad, what was he called? <laughs> the drummer from The Who, they, they used to call him the patented exploding drummer. I think mm. that that title has been has been rightfully won away by Yakit, what's his name? Yoshida Tatsuya. Um and I, I think all these drummers that come in his wake, they're just, I mean, like, I don't know. Um, th there's also, like, there's something, he does repeat riffs, which to me does make it listenable in a way that I never found something like Heller to be listenable, that listenable. Um, and, but, yeah, I think it works much better live than it does in record in many ways. The, the joy of things that are, are that chaotic is that you find patterns in them. I mean, this is why yeah. I love kind of techno especially it's made with kind of found sounds or field recordings because you you find your own rhythms in it and you find your own tunes right yeah. i am going to play a track that i've chosen because if one drummer is good why not have two Good, good, good. I mean, that bass sound as well. Man. Oh, just wonderful. So go on, Sam, tell us what that is. I know it's my choice, but you you know this band better than I do by far. Um, that's the, the Melvins. Mm -hmm. And that was A History of Bad Man or Bad Men? Bad, a History bad of Bad Man. <laughs> bad Man. Um, oh, God, I was in a shop recently and this, this lady... That came on? No, no. This lady had 
she was trying to get her child who, who was about two years old to go with her granddad, his granddad, I guess her dad. And she was like, blah, blah, blah. And she was speaking in, I think, Polish. And then she said, she looked at me, looked at the child, and then said to the child in, in really clear English, you go with granddad or you go with man, and pointed at me. And this kid went, ah, and ran over and like clutched onto his granddad. And I was like, fuck's sake. I've become, like, I've become an, an existential threat to, to children I don't know. I've become the bogeyman. Now, you know what? We always are the existential threat to anybody, um, but we're just, it's just not pointed out very often. <laughs> Particularly, particularly as middle class white men, we are existential threats to basically everybody and everything. Oh man! Um, yeah, so let, let, let's talk about the Melvins. So it's two drummers. I can't remember their names, but you know them. Uh, one is um, Mr. 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 Jack Kroger, is it? Dave, I, I look up Google everything. I don't know why you're not oh, okay. googling everything. But the, I don't rely on my memory. This is a theory by, called intrapassivity. Uh, by Slavov Zizek, which means that you... <laughs> you can remember that. You can't remember the name of the drummers in the Melvins. I, yeah, I, 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 um, I looked this up more recently. Um, where is it? It's from the album... I know it's from the album Seen Our Animal. I know... Oh, God, I should know the drummer as well. Yes. Um, I do think less of you a little bit. But the theory of... Um, Intrapassivity basically means we're passing uh, things on to technology that we can't be bothered to deal with ourselves. Ah. Um, and uh, you know, it's sort of all the automation of, and it's the opposite of interaction. Uh, so it's interpassivity, so rather passivity rather than action. Um, the personnel is Cody Willis uh, on one side and Dave, Dave, Dave. Dale Crover, who we've talked about previously, and I've talked about previously, and I have no reason to have forgotten his name. Um, but Cody Willis, who uh, is an amazing drummer in his own right. Um, and yeah. It's not two uh, drum kits. It's sort of, it's sort of, it's worth looking up clips of Melvin's live. And I nearly used the live version of that because they, they're not two kits that are separate. They're sort of two kits that are mushed together. They do share bits, kind of mostly yeah, sim- yeah. symbols, I guess. But it's a sight to behold, and that is all I'm going to say about the Melvins because I think they're going to come up in a in an episode of their own right or something fairly soon because they are a big old band to explore. Yeah, but the, I mean, again, I think in a way, in a way that the that frankly, I think the double drumming thing came over better live than it did on record as well. You know, yeah, it's a bit you're, like, yeah, you're right. You know, the heaviness there. It's like I, there's bits and pieces going on, but I can't really hear that distinctness of two drummers there. If if I'm honest, I got a little bored during that sixty that thirty seconds. Oh, I, I yeah, I mean, it's it, the anticipation, frankly, of waiting for that riff to come in, and it's just like crushes your. I once I once uh, smoked a bit too much uh, wacky backy whilst drunk at a party once, and that came on. And it felt like there were wolves in my mind. I wacky backy, what an arsehole. Uh but uh marijuana, uh weed, and it sounded like marijuana. Marijuana, Mary Jane, all these awful terms. Um, Devil's lettuce. <laughs> Devil's lettuce. <laughs> uh, it, but it felt it sounded, it felt like there were like wolves in my mind crumbling, you know, like oh. in the, the film of the wall. 
And I just sort of went, okay, I'm going to leave the party now. <laughs> Time to go home. <laughs> Time. Right. Uh, then your next choice is, is, is yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Sam. Who was, who that? was that? Who, who was that? Who was that? You don't know who you you gave me the choices. <laughs> <laughs> That's Adam and the Ants with car trouble. Now, uh, yeah. when I was when I was clipping that in preparation for the show, I was really trying to figure out why you chose it. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. Well, the drummers, uh, frankly, uh, and this is my amateurism. I think it was one minute fifteen of a different song that I actually chose, and I forgot to change the title uh, of Car Trouble. <laughs> but mm, you can still hear in that fill. The, the drummer is a guy called Dave Barbarossa, uh, and he or David Barbarossa, um, who I think I might have met once or twice through my friend Lawrence, um, and he was also in Bow Wow Bow Wow Wow. Uh, I've always and wanted that. I did most of the same thing, but very similar sound. Well, yeah, it was basically um, Malcolm McLaren convinced the band, he fell out with Adamant and convinced the band to leave Adamant and uh, try and find a young female singer so they could become more commercially successful than Adamant. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, he... That uh, so that's from the first album, the first Adam and the Ants album, Dirk wears white socks. And if you listen to Dirk wears white socks, the detailing of the instrumentation is second to none. In a time where, and and there's this really interesting sort of relationship in some way that is quite jazzy between the bassist and Dave Barbarossa, um, and um, like the bass is quite constant, whereas uh, Dave is sort of all over the shop um, in his fills, and he's pushing and pulling the beat, and he's just sort of the uh, that 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 the drumming on that album is is uh, details. My friend Lawrence again described it as the sound of someone falling over their drum kits downstairs, and as like as a massive compliment of going, it just sounds like uh, it works and. He, the, yeah, the drumming on that album is is second to none, and he does it's really interesting instrumental choices. And if anybody says, you know, the punks couldn't play, they never listen to Adam and the Ants um, because the musicianship, particularly the bassist and drummer, and bits and pieces of the production of the guitar on Dirk Wears White Socks are the most beautifully instrumented, instrumented, orchestrated, orchestrated. Um, and yeah, you know his 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 fills are all sort of pretty jazzy and pretty detailed. But he do, he also sort of he builds the drum kit, the drum beat. He doesn't do the same thing uh, again and again and again. He's he is that sort of like he relies on the bassist in Adam and the Ants on that first album. He relies on the bassist to be there whilst he plays around it. It's a really it's, nice sort of juxtaposition of what I'm the drums gonna... could do. 
I'm going to listen to Dirk Weir's White Sox again. I've not listened to it for many, many years, but well, half of my band claim it's almost one of their favourite, you know, one of their absolute favourite albums. I'm going to play a little bit again, but I'm going to play a short bit because it sounds... I thought you'd chosen it because there's what sounds like a slapback delay on the snare, which is wild. You never, ever, outside of dub, I guess, in where there's a lot of space around the drums, you never hear that. I'm going to play just a second. Not this bit, not this bit. I don't think it's. It, I think he's just bouncing it, isn't he? Bouncing the stick yeah. on the on the snare, yeah. like, brr, brr, like a little one one handed roll kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool as shit. Anyway, that they, that's. I, I love the whole point of this podcast. I've said before is for for us to share music and and for for me, it's it's something like that where you hear something new in a piece of music and go right. Well, there, there's a there's a rabbit hole I'm going to go running down. So that's that's cool as shit. I'm going to move on to my next choice. I was trying to think of a drum, a drum bit that gets stuck in my head, and I'm slightly worried about playing this because I think it took me years to get this out of my head when I first heard it. And I get I get little loops stuck in my head, and and the one that you've heard me almost as like a Tourette style tick do before is uh, "Walking" by Pantera. Is it? Dun, 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 dun. You've heard yeah, me humming yeah. that when we've just been hanging out and just gone, why are you humming that? You don't even like Pantera. I'm like, I don't know. This bit that I'm now going to play, the drum bit at the beginning, I'm I'm, gen- I'm not even joking. I genuinely am nervous that this might now trouble me for months because it took me a long time to get out of my head. Right, I've overhyped it now. Here we go. I'm going to do it just so I can hear it again. I chose that for not just the reason that it gets stuck in my head because it's not. I don't know what it is about that. It's just so cool, but also I chose it because it's got Steve Albini's production on it, and Steve Albini. I didn't want to do a drumming episode without talking about Steve Albini's drum, drum engineering. Oh yeah, I don't get Steve Albini, so you go for it. No, I just I just think he does drums nicely. (laughs) <laughs> there's not there's not much further to go in there. I've, although I've read a lot about Steve Albini recently that made me feel quite uncomfortable. The things I just did not know. Um, like what? He's just very aggressive. And oh, very... you should. There was a, there was a Guardian. There's an interview with him and the Guardian uh, recently. Actually, weirdly, in the Guardian. I think um, it might be what, what you sent me and I read in that case. But he 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 sounds like he is trying to be like. Mia Golpa about it, sort of like, mm. yeah, I fucked up and I was an asshole and yeah. I did stupid things. And actually, that takes a lot more, like, that. that's a lot more of a mature response than sort of going, oh, that was just the time and a place and, you know, okay, I wouldn't do it now, but 
you know, fuck off. No, that that was that was I came out of that article overwhelmingly feeling it was a quite a roller coaster because I didn't know anything about Steve Albini. Seen him play a bunch of times, know his work, and then to start that article reading about the way he behaved in the past. And, and there's nothing like proper shocking, but just things that were a surprise. But by the end of it, his 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 message is kind of look, people like me who did things like this need to own it and move on. Because yeah. if you say it was just the way things were at the time, it, it's not an excuse. So yeah, in the end, I thought it was very good, very cool. Um, that but go, let's go to Pat Dave Grohl. He's 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 not a great songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's, let's stick to the bar because there, there's but, bits there's bits in there. He is an astonishing drummer, and he. I was thinking. I, I heard the other day. I heard the opening of Teen Spirit somewhere. I don't know where it was. You know, these days Teen Spirit gets played in fucking uh, shops and stuff. Mm. And um, he does something. I know he. I know there's a video of him talking about it online but he does this sort of ability to take very simple and this is a, another thing like you know you get a lot of metal drummers and we'll I'll talk about metal drummers in a bit um but he does you know he makes really simple statements and they stick and they sound so good and he's just a class he's a classy drummer absolutely he is and that hearing in utero now when it must be what 30 years old there there are some really interesting things that Kurt Cobain's doing in there as well just like a, he's doing like a single note and yep. it's an interesting rhythm as a whole that you know the sixth or seventh Nirvana album could have sounded brilliant and it wouldn't have sounded anything like the Foo Fighters <laughs> you know it would have been yep. potentially really good and but 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 we'll never know so I'm going to move on to your next. We could ask. Oh, we could ask AI. We could ask AI to write a new Nirvana album. All right, more about AI in a minute. Let's play progressive progress. Pro, progress. Let's play your last choice. that sam that sepultura they never sound like how i expect them to every sepultura song i i i hear is always a well i've got to say a very delightful surprise i really need to listen to to more of them it's so much more punk than i was expected to be they yeah i mean completely but they they change like every single album under mexico is almost completely different from the previous one but there's something that stays the same about uh, you know that is uh, sonically there's a signature there that uh, you can identify as Sepultura, um, and Max Car- uh, Igor Calavera, who is the drummer, is uh, I think he His was brother. the drummer who, yeah, yeah, the two brothers started Sepultura, and um, I think it was his drumming that sort of made me fall in love with metal drumming. That I've just never, it just, and it's not you know he he he's. Yeah, 
he's uh, or it not yeah I mean I think about that the Metallica you know sort of like I was I was amazed by I don't know what I'm trying to say you say something um, I I, I think we, when when I sat down to look at my choices I thought metal is going to come into this because it just flat out has to. Choosing the jumping in point was what was really difficult because there's really interesting bands like Don Cab- Caballero. I've never figured out if it's a band or a person, if I'm honest, but I always right. really enjoy it when it when it when it comes on a random. Uh, a friend of mine polluted my MP3 collection with with just a load of music, so it pops up. You've polluted my MP3 collection at some point in the past as well, which is how I discovered kind of quite a lot of music. But the Sepultura one is I like looking at Sepultura through that sort of different lens because that drumming is wonderful and it's not straight up metal drumming you you know more metal than i do there's nothing but it gives it so much texture it's yeah it's just good it's just a good choice sam so and but he he like i was i was thinking of the you know to me and this might i don't know what your next choice is but the other i think there's 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 a lot of amazing musicians in metal but i don't think they always know how I think they always want to play. Sometimes drummers, particularly drummers in metal, want to play everything all the time. And Eagle Caravera is a great example of someone who can push and pull when to play a lot and when to just actually lay down a groove. And um, to me, the greatest metal drummers are him and Bill Ward. Like you don't get better than that. They are. They are the standard. Um... For my final choice, I've, I've gone for black metal because apart from like the weird disco beat black metal, I think a lot of black metal drummers ought to get paid twice as much as the rest of the band because they put in more than twice as much work. As for which black metal drummer to choose, it was it was too difficult because the the main beat, the real like blast beat, black metal it comes down to how well produced it is and quite frankly i had five minutes before i had to run out of the house to come to the studio to record this so i just chose something that i'd heard i've listened to most recently like three different speeds the drummers are in that which completely backs up what you were saying about drummers always adding more texture and they don't just go full on there's the full on which the production isn't all that great so it does let down the point a bit but then it just stops it just puts some air in and then does it sort of half half time which is oh i'd say who that is that's batushka um the original one yeah the original one I, I, it's an interesting aspect because as I remember when I was, this is the, in the early 2000s before I would say double kick had become uh, synonymous with extreme metal. Um, you know, that was certainly there, but it wasn't always synonymous and it wasn't as, uh, dominant as it is particularly nowadays. And there was an argument that 
uh, amongst, I remember the drummer I played with in the band, um, there was a sort of an idea that uh, double kick, once you got that, it was actually laziness. Uh, yeah, we. I, I used to absolutely believe that until there's a really good drummer I've mentioned before on this called Zach, who's been in oh, loads of metal bands. First time I saw him live with double kick, I was like, it's not lazy. <laughs> it's really, really, really not lazy. You got third Isis album's the only one that's got got kick on it, and the drummer basically had it took him about a year to teach himself how to do it, and he was already an incredibly accomplished drummer. No, it's not lazy. It's God, look at Meshuggah. If you're going to no. tell me anything Meshuggah are doing is lazy because it's called double kick, you're a fucking idiot. Well, this is this is it, and it's like you can do really, you know, it's another thing you can do really interesting things with like Meshuggah and. Uh, to an extent, well, to a similar sort of like thing, Fear Factory do these sort of you know really intricate relationships of rhythm between in the within the band and the, um, and I don't I mean I don't think uh, it is laziness. I what I what I struggle with in these this side of things is that it has become it has become uh, such a thing to 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 rely on that double kick so much um whereas if you sort of take a lot of i liked like i didn't i don't think i noticed when i, I you know my first my earliest memories of metal are, is uh, metallica really and i don't think i ever noticed the double kick drum not because last year it can't do it it's because he chooses when to do it and when not to do it and then you listen to sort of a, even early Cannibal Corpse and that drummer, I can't remember his name, but he's a great, you know, there's no stopping like metal musicians are probably as musicians go amongst the best touring, but they don't, they always, they sort of don't pull their, uh, they don't pull their punches all the time when they perhaps should do more often. That's what I guess I'm saying. There's a brilliant series, YouTube series, which I don't know if I can look up. Well, if I if I mute this tab, I might be able to look it up. But a YouTube series where they they get hold of the, I guess the stems of songs, so they'll get just you know everything other than the drums, and then they'll play that to a drummer from a different genre. Oh yeah, I've I've, I've seen that. Yeah, uh, just there's there's a woman drummer, a woman drummer. There's a drummer. Late I'm only saying women. I'm trying to remember what I'm saying. Women to try and jog my memory into remembering what she talks like. Um, what she talks like. What she talks um, like. What she talks like. What her name is, but she. Lady drummer. It's astonishing. Just she, her understanding. She's a pop drummer, but her understanding when they play a metal is just adds so many more dimensions to it. But one of the very best ones I saw was the drummer of a really big metal band. I can't fucking remember which one. And they play him something poppy. And of course, he doesn't just thrash out a metal. It was the it was the current Megadeth guy. That's it. That's it. You're completely right. Yeah. It's the Megadeth drummer. And of course, he doesn't just thrash out. Oh, I'm a metal drummer, so I'm going to do metal. He does an interpretation of it. It's absolutely fantastic. So I think we've got a conclusion for this episode that metal drummers are better than any other drummers. Uh, I, yeah, but they need to pull their punches more often. Yeah, they they need more more joy of texture. More enjoy the texture and uh, yeah, let it breathe, let it breathe, and then crush it. Right, so we've got a little bit of time left. So we've had a letter from Rodica Broomhilda, 
and he sent a picture of himself, which I've just sent to you by WhatsApp. Have you got your phone nearby? So we'll include the picture in the show notes as well on the website um, version of the podcast. It's not He's, come through yet. It's not come through. No. Oh, no, I sent it to someone else entirely. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. I need to quickly undo that. I've just sent it to our mortgage advisor. <laughs> 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 Who is oh god for fuck's sake oh, how am i going to explain this oh man right i've definitely sent it to you now Can you, you you talk about that image while i send the message to my mortgage advisor <laughs> oh dear oh 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 it it looks like um he got very excited uh this randy guy um He's got. He's invested in moustache wax. That's even more moustache wax. It's the point where it looks a bit like it's a bit crusty, uh, maybe a bit too much, or maybe he's got a problem. Um, but yeah. So this is Rodica Broomhilda. We, for anyone who who hasn't listened to the show for a while, I have created and programmed an AI supervan because we keep asking you to to email in with questions and stuff and. We're not, we're not really getting any. So we've created Rudiger Broomhilde. And the picture that I've just sent is, well, if I, oh, why, is the, why is the pizza mucky? Look, he's eating pizza off a dirty plate. You God, see? I don't know. Why is there a bit of jam on it? What the hell um, is that in his, top, in his pocket? Um, I don't know. It's sort of like, oh, he's a mad scientist, eccentric. And he also has a dirty kitchen behind him. Oh, um, man, he really does. That's vile. Right, so he's he's we we did a we did a letters special where he's aged since we last saw him. <laughs> we did a letters special where where we read the letters that this AI superfan wrote, and because we did a whole episode about it, of course, Rudika Broomhilda, our AI superfan, was quite excited. I'm going to read you the email he sent us. Okay, the subject line is the day beat. The day the Beat Motel universe collided with Rudiger's world. Right, so he's talking here about about the episode, basically. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read read his email, and I'm gonna stop when there's a, if there's questions so we can answer them. Dear Doctor Andrew, no, good start, hey. Dear Andrew and Doctor Sam, or should I say, Doctor Napalm Duck today. I must say, my world turned into an ecstatic mosh pit of joy when my ears graced the unexpected melody of my own name, Rudika Broomhilda, in your latest podcast episode. I have been dancing on cloud nine, perfectly in sync with the beat, of course, ever since. First off, Andrew. Your efforts to obscure the background with the flag are noble indeed. It adds a layer of mystery, almost as if we're all part of some underground music revolution. Here's my question, though. If you had to choose a flag that perfectly represented the spirit of Beat Motel, what would it look like? Are we talking guitars crossed like swords, a majestic eagle holding a microphone, or perhaps something so avant-garde it can't be described in mere mortal words? Right, so I'm going to answer that question. Uh, it would look exactly like the the sticker that, that I've made. Um, although the idea of having like a tape bobbing around in a toilet or something is quite appealing for some reason. Sam, what, what do you think the Beat Motel flag would look like? Uh, moldy cheese. <laughs> moldy cheese. Right. So, because um, we both like moldy cheese. We do both really enjoy moldy cheese. God, I had a 
lovely. If you want to send us anything, send a package of moldy cheese to Andrew. <laughs> as long as it's cheese that's meant to be moldy. Right. Send it to his PO box. Are you ready for your letter? Sure. Okay, so I'm going I'm going to channeling Rudka Broomhilder again. Now on to you, Dr. Sam, the man of a thousand names, each more intriguing than the last. Your sartorial choice of the Napalm Duck t-shirt has inspired heated debates and philosophical musings in my circle. So, Dr. Sam, amidst your myriad of personas, which one resonates most with your true self? And how does this alter ego influence your perception of the music you discuss? Well, I subscribe uh, to some extent to the uh, writings of Deleuze and Guattari, which suggest there is no truth self and that we're always becoming. And uh, therefore, any idea of a reference to the truth self is a misnomer and all that hippie shit is wrong. <laughs> yep, I'll go with that. Cool. Right. So <laughs> let, let's the final bit of his letter. Your podcast is this is where he gets onto the kind of uh, type thing. Your <laughs> podcast is like a backstage pass to the concert of life with each episode more riveting than the last encore of the night. Thank you for the shout out. It's like a crowd surf that never ends. And honestly, I'm here for it. Keep the beats eternal and the motels lights burning bright. Rocking the ethers. Rudica Broomhilda then. Emoticons. So, <laughs> thank you very much, Rudika. Um, what oh. we do, we I basically how can, how can we how can we insult him to the point where he actually just stops listening to us? I don't think he can. I, I programmed I programmed him to a never tire of us. Maybe I ought to. <laughs> Maybe I ought to say, look, <gasps> yeah. This when when he listens to the next episode, I think Rudika Rudika ought to hate it. I yes, I want him to be disappointed. Uh, I want him to at least uh, we we should at least at the very least be sellouts. Hi kids, drink coke. <laughs> right, so Rudica um, is my he's going to be he's going to be miffed next time, which I think is going to be really interesting. Good. Can he swear? Does he is he allowed to swear? I good question actually. If I program him to swear, he can swear, but he won't use that word that means I have to edit things out. Which please don't say it. No, I don't say it. it. No, that's all right. You can say that <laughs> as many hind penises as you want. Right, Sam. We have actually managed to do this in time. So thank you very much, dear listener. I would really love you to subscribe and please tell your friends because it does make a big difference. I mean, it it. It does, and if we get enough people listening, then maybe Sam will stop switching his laptop off halfway through the recording. Well, maybe this becomes a theme, though, and then a theme. Don't, because it's a pain in the ass to edit. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. I'm sorry about that. Andrew. Right, I'm going to say goodbye. Do you want to say goodbye? No. No. <laughs> <laughs>